you are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined, as always, by Adam Matas. This is Locked On NBA, and we are brought to you by Built Bar. Head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON and save $10 off your first order. Adam, the NBA is on its way back. It is, Anthony. I mean, first of all, this has been like, this has been the longest seven days, I think, you know, for a lot of people, um, for a lot of people. So it's funny you say that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there was this reason to be excited. I, mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Um, but you're right. The NBA is coming back eventually, it looks like. Yeah, I I actually feel like that's how a lot of people felt. Like, I think there were, there was a lot of just, you know, excitement from people who have maybe been paying less attention to other stuff. But I think for, I think the ma- the vast majority of people who saw this news it was like okay well at least we have that <laughs> right like at least we have that to look forward to and actually we're going to start today's uh, discussion with whether or not you know it's it's a good thing that we have this impending distraction from from everything so that's where we're going to start uh, from there, we are going to, in the second segment, discuss the actual plan for return that as it is laid out right now. And then in the third segment, we actually got a hint into what they're thinking for the season after this one. And mm. uh, and it has at least Michelle Roberts and, and probably several players legitimately concerned moving forward. But yeah, I want to start with you know, there was there was a discussion, and actually the first time I was made aware of it was in recording with uh, Sabrina Merchant on on the Silver Screen and Roll pod where, you know, she felt like given everything going on, do we need this thing to be able to, you know, look the other way towards? Right. And you're talking about sports in general. Maybe you're talking about this podcast, this very show that we're, that we're having Maybe, now. And I yeah. think, look, I think it's a question a, a lot of people in our position have been asking. You know, we have jobs. There's certain, you know, responsibilities we feel towards the jobs that we have and, and to not necessarily create a discussion, a, a, a distraction or whatever, but just to fulfill the duties that we signed up to do within the context of our job. But I have mm-hmm. to say that over the last week, every time I've talked about basketball, whether it's on this show or, you know, over on my site, DNVR, it has felt a little bit weird. And yeah. I have to say that I actually appreciate, I think, the fact that sports have been pushed so far into the background, I think more so than um, at any point in my life, you know, as, as consistently and um, as fervently pushed behind sort of the scene and people saying, no, I don't want to move on to that. I want to stay present in this moment in time that we're in. I want to have the conversations that we need to have. And to me, it just, I hope maybe this is wishful thinking, but I hope that this is more of a lasting conversation about, um, uh, 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 about how we police in this country and in particular how we police black people in this country. And it's, we're now going on eight, nine days, I think, since, you know, the first wave of protests started to break out and it's not really slowing down. People still, I think their attention is still in that place. Well, what's helping it not really slow down is, you know, literally right before you and I record, you saw the video of uh, the the old white guy in in Buffalo who got pushed over and was then bleeding from his ears, right? So, right. you know, you have very vivid images and very graphic images of, of why this conversation needs to continue. Um, look, maybe I'm being biased here because, like you said, we both generate our income from basketball. So I am going to take, you know, a lighter view of this than maybe I would otherwise. But I do think where sports does play an important role is, you know, for example, remembering where all this started with 
Colin Kaepernick yeah. taking a Absolutely. taking a knee uh, for the national anthem and beginning the conversation where it's gotten here. Now you have evidence of you know most recently Drew Brees, who has has kind of missed the memo apparently for four years now. But you know, are we where we are right now in terms of the conversation without without sports? And you know, I think right now, I don't think I, I think it's important to stay in the moment, but maybe you know, in late July, whenever the, whenever the NBA resumes, will there be more activism shown by athletes that restarts or reignites the conversation that we're having right now that we might not have had at that point of, of this year? Was the, is it the Kobe quote where he talks about, you know, hammering the rock or is it pounding the rock? I guess it is where, you know, you can hit it a hundred times and it doesn't seem to make any indentation. And then on that hundredth one, you break it. You know, it wasn't the one hit. It was the culmination of them. You only saw the results of that at the, at the very end. And I think a lot of times activism can be this way too. And I say that I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. I think that the the world and in this country in particular has to go through some really difficult growing pains and is going through those at this very moment. But you know, Drew Brees was sort of forced to walk back his statement. And I think forced to almost rethink. And I think a lot of people, not, not just athletes, not just famous people, but in my conversations I have with the people that I love who see things differently than me, Mm-hmm. I feel like even they have sort of, it, it, it feels like the rock has, has cracked and they're like, oh, yeah. I kind of get it now. Like I, I kind <laughs> of see it. I moved that per, into that direction a little bit more. And you mentioned it, this all began or, or a, a large part of it began and the awareness really took off with Colin Kaepernick. And to me, that is the power of sports. And I do think sports will return soon. And, and hopefully through that, they can continue to see what kind of impact they can have on society. But right now, this moment in time just does feel like that cracking of the rock moment where people are starting to reevaluate. We're seeing all of these images of police brutality. And by the way, let me just say, you know, this is such a complicated it's a complicated issue, not the issue of yeah. people beating on black people. We know this is a problem. We know that yeah. there are, you know, very more clear bad apples. There are, be on. <laughs> there's institution. Exactly. There's the, for those things, but you and I both know a lot of cops in our life, a lot of police officers. Mm-hmm. We have people that are very close to us who are in the police force. We know that one, the job is very difficult and there's good people in there, but I think everybody or, or most people are starting to come to the realization of, you know, maybe how we view police and what police work is, Maybe we need to change what that, that is. And we're seeing so many videos of, of, of brutality or just, you know, there's, there's riots and there's, and there's different things going on. But then the way the police either provoke or react to that, that causes us to think, is there a better way? And to me, that, that's a good thing. Society should pause and sort of look at this as it's happening in real time, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Like you said, I have I have – a cousin actually who was just involved in a, in a, in an officer involved shooting, he just had to shoot somebody who was running at him with a katana, right? He Mm -hmm. had no choice. And, and you know, he had his, he had his body camera on. They are now investigating the matter. The entire thing is on, is on video. And you can see clearly like the guy was just kind of out of options at that point. And in that case, it was, I don't, I don't really know what my cousin could have done. And, and if he does something differently, does that mean I no longer have my cousin, you know? But, and, and, yeah. and, while, and while, you know, the, the conversation that we're having right now is because of the brutality on unarmed people and on civilians who are peacefully protesting, right? That is, you know, the, the conversation that we're having there where 
it is very clear that in some of these cases, the police officers involved in some of these incidents are not are 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 not uh, gifted with 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 what it takes to have the responsibility that comes with the being with being a police officer. And you know, I think that's the conversation that we're having is that not only not only do we need to rethink the way that we are policed, but also are the people who hold those jobs right now equipped to police people in that way? And it, you know, if 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 it turns out no, then then yeah, we 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 have some people to replace. I think Mattis used the phrase, uh, you know, uh, General Mattis, who wrote his mm-hmm. his letter here just two days ago, had a really interesting phrase. He talked about. Um, the trusted bond between men and women in uniform and the society they are sworn to protect. And I think right now that's what we're seeing is that that bond is fractured. There's not the faith between society and the police, especially if we're talking about African-Americans and the police. And there's Mm -hmm. not that bond between the police and the people they're meant to protect, especially the African-American community. And so I think this pause, this sort of, you know, we're coming out of coronavirus for people of, well, not really coming out of it, but we've been sort of quarantined for so long. We've had fewer distractions in general and then no sports. I do think that has sort of forced us to reflect and to look at this even more closely and hopefully to talk to people of different beliefs and to to really open up in ways that we haven't before, including us on this show. I mean, we've never really delved into politics um, before the show and we've been doing the show for over a year together. But I think a lot of people now, without those distractions, are forced to sort of confront these things in a way they never have before. And to me, that's a positive thing. And when sports return, I hope it's only a catalyst for bringing people to the table and bringing people together, not 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 a catalyst for dividing people. Yeah, I think I you know we'll see what this turns into as the NBA resumes. And and you know I think there's legitimate points made as to whether or not we should look away right now. And I thought. You know, to the NBA's credit, they just kind of threw the the release out there. We got the reporting on it, and that was about it. It was right back to focusing on the protests and and the yeah. continued conversation about the way people are policed. Uh, now, you know, I, is that something that the NBA specifically did? Is that something that ESPN sp- specifically did? And and those partners that that releases information because as this was happening, by the way, Turner had their, uh, you know, the their nightly NBA show, you know, with Chuck and Shaq and all those guys, they were talking to black leaders on that show. So, you know, as the NBA is releasing their, their the, you know, their news and this giant piece of news, by the way, the fact that they are right. going to resume their, their season. <laughs> the biggest piece uh, of news was, in three months. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and as that is going on, uh, an NBA corporate partner probably, and Adam Silver was on that show, by the way. Right. right uh, yep. it, you know, as that's all going on, the NBA was very involved in continuing this very important conversation that is taking place throughout our country. And I thought the way all of this kind of came together, and we'll get into the details of the plan itself and then moving forward to the next season. But as of right now, I, I you know, you had Damian Lillard marching in, in Portland. You had uh, Jalen Brown, the role that he's played mm-hmm. in in all of this. Uh, yeah, I could go down the line and and any number of of players. Stephen Jackson, a retired NBA player, the role that he played. Uh, even even given the fact that George Floyd was a ver- was a close friend of his, right. you know, you had yeah. you have all of this going on, and the NBA is a central voice at you know in in this conversation. Uh, I think I think everybody deserves you know quite a bit of credit for for the way this has all kind of gone down, you yeah. know, and 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 I hope it continues. I really do. If I you know I hope I hope that 
And, and I think it's going to, but I really hope it continues to the point where we get legitimate reform. And, and, and look, to, to that point, Breonna Taylor's case has been reopened. We have uh, the, the, the police officer who killed George Floyd. His case was uh, upgraded to uh, a, a level two murder. And, and that allowed the other police officers who were standing around to be also tried. Uh, we saw this video of uh, that, that in, in Buffalo where those two police officers have now been immediately suspended. And now people are questioning, you know, the way that we do police reports and, and, and the news that comes out of police, uh, you know, offices. It, all of this, I think, is really important. And, and should it continue? The role that the NBA is going to play in it, I think, is going to be really a, a huge one and a very important one that they can do without hip, as much hypocrisy as, say, you know, the NFL. Yeah. All right. Let's take another quick second here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the specific plans that we have right now, the teams that voted for it, uh, the Portland Trailblazers that, that voted against it. And, and what this is going to look like, uh, you know, come late July, whenever the NBA does resume. All right, so I'm reading here from Adrian Wojnarowski, obviously of ESPN. Quote, the NBA Board of Governors voted Thursday to approve a 22-team format to restart the 2019-2020 season, July 31st in Orlando, Florida, the league announced. Sources told ESPN that the vote was 29 to 1, with the Portland Trailblazers voting against the proposal. Uh, the National Basketball Players Association has been working closely with league officials on the plan, and the NBPA's team player representatives have a conference call set for Friday to approve the proposal, sources told ESPN. Uh, Adam Silver gave a quote, the board's approval of the restart format is a necessary step forward, uh, step toward resuming the NBA season. While COVID-19 uh, pandemic presents formidable challenges, we are hopeful of finishing the season in a safe and responsible manner based on the strict protocols now being finalized with public health officials and medical experts. We also recognize that as we prepare to resume play, our society is reeling from the recent tragedies of racial violence and injustice. We will continue to work closely with our teams and players to use our collective resources and influence to address these issues in a very real and concrete way. Uh, in terms of just what was released, and especially Adam Silver's quote, I don't know if there is much to, you know, really have a problem with. Obviously, you can nitpick and you oh, can- Oh, man, be, I could have I, a problem I, with a lot. Sweet. Let's sign me up. Let's do it. Let's go through the list. <laughs> Let's go through all right, the list. Well, I have all the kinds of pride. I could be unhappy about anything, Anthony. Come on. I mean, yeah, I you and I text regularly. Yeah, I agree <laughs> that you can be very unhappy oh, very kidding. easily. No, but 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 yeah, I, I think when you consider all of the balls that the NBA was juggling, right? You, and not it was like those cartoons where these guys would be juggling like a, a bowling pin and a piano and a guitar, right? And some glass in there somewhere. You had the you had the NBA trying to squeeze as much revenue from this as they possibly could. I think first that was a, a very high priority given all the losses that they have taken so far this year. You have teams that are uh, that have had good regular seasons to this point that wanted to make sure that they had some kind of advantage uh, for playing that well over the course of the regular season to this point. You had teams uh, at the bottom of the playoff picture that are saying, hey, wait, we qualified to this point. Why do we need to be overlooked in this? Then you had teams on the bubble who were saying there was plenty of time for us to be able to potentially make a charge here. And oh, by the way, there's a global pandemic that is still going on 
as we are having this conversation, Florida has had two of its most explosive days in terms of just COVID tests, right? So if you consider everything that's going on and the amount of compromise that is needed to check as many boxes for each involved party here, I think the NBA did about as well as it could, given the fact that, you know, they, they seem very intent upon coming back in the first place. Well, yeah. And you're right that they had an impossible hand. I think there were three main sort of pillars they were looking at. There was the money aspect of this. They needed to recoup some of their money. And it wasn't, this isn't just, I mean, like a greed thing, like, oh, we want to have as much money. The league needs some momentum. And it's a business. <laughs> next season is uncertain. And there were so many compromise. I think they, they wanted that. They wanted it to be fair as much as possible. And, and obviously nothing was going to be completely fair, but there were proposals that were more or less fair. Um, you know, and then they wanted it to be entertaining. And I think, look, this is going to be very entertaining. Every game is going to matter, including mm-hmm. these, what are they calling these? The seeding games. They're not regular season. They're not playoffs. They're, I think seeding games, these eight games to leading up to it. Boy, you can make some unfortunate jokes with, with that phrasing. <laughs> and it, it, moving along, though, I think those will be very entertaining <laughs> because they're all going yeah. to matter. Is it fair? Well, you know, it's as fair as anything that I saw proposed. I think that more or less teams are going to have an opportunity to finish out their schedules, sort of, and then have an opportunity to get into the playoffs weighed by where they belong. So, um, you know, that's true. And then the money part of this obviously allows a lot. But when you, you ask if there are nits to pick here, one of them is the Phoenix Suns are invited. <laughs> Anthony, the Phoenix Suns are going to be statistically eliminated from playoff contention on game one. (laughs) Adam, we've been recording this for a really, really long time. We've been doing, we've been talking basketball now for years and I'm concerned about the impact I've had on you because that is about as dismissive as I've ever heard you about. It's, any it's team not ever. dismissive. I actually think the Phoenix Suns are a good team. If you if you were to rank them, they are not the worst team in this. What's dismissive about them though is if you look at the standings, I think they're like how many games back are they of the playoffs right now? Here, hold on one second. I'll you have do to be four, right? You have to be within four. Well, they're six games back right now. So oh. yes, that's what I'm saying is they're already six games back, which means they have to climb two games in the standing just to get into this play. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. It's not going to happen. They have no chance. They're going to have to go through an entire training camp just to go out there and be eliminated by the first weekend of this sort of event. Can you not hear me? There you go. I I think also at the end of the day, you, 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 the NBA literally needed teams out there so that the teams that are in contention have teams to compete with that aren't the teams that they could potentially face, especially in the first round. So, yeah, you do have some fodder out there. Yeah, you do have, you know, the Suns and even like the Washington Wizards, right? Like the, you have some teams that don't technically deserve to be there, but are out there because it's a, it's a math problem. And, and, and also I think, you know, I, I believe this might affect their lottery standing. It could, you know, potentially with Phoenix or, they, or you know, if they, if they lose all of their games, that might mean that they leapfrog some teams in the lottery standings. I don't know how exactly the NBA is going to handle that. But, but, you know, for a young Phoenix Suns team that, you know, is still trying to kind of find its way and had over the course of the season played some pretty good basketball for stretches, 
I, if I was a Suns fan, I'd be happy that they were involved in this. Well, if you're a Suns you know? fan, there's no doubt about it. If you're a Suns yeah. player, you might look at it and say, okay, so I'm going to come back for training camp. Then I'm going to go into this giant bubble where I have to leave my family. And my odds of making the playoffs, I was listening earlier to Kevin Pelton, who does um, you know, a bunch of data analytics at, at, uh, for ESPN. He mm-hmm. did a simulation, and the Suns never made it in any of the simulations <laughs> they did for us. Virtually impossible for the Phoenix Suns to advance to the qualifying round here. So, um, so yeah, look, you're, you're absolutely right. They were, to me, the casualty of this. They got invited. They don't belong. And now they're basically going to have to go through a training camp just to be fodder for other teams to practice on. Well, what if what if Devin Booker uh, learns how to handle double teams over the next eight games? Yeah, not gonna help. Not gonna, <laughs> still not gonna. Still not gonna get it done. Um. Any any other? So there were, you know, if we look at some of the the way that they're gonna handle the literal safety precautions here, there was a lot of buzzwords, right? It was a lot of, you know, we're gonna do regular testing and uniform testing across the across right. the league, and yeah. and you're going to have players quarantine if they do come in contact with COVID. Um, and then there was a point of some contention here with how they're going to handle the coaches, right? Who are, you know, some of them are in the more at-risk group, uh, societally speaking, that, 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 that others are that are going to be involved with this bubble. And Adam Silver, who said that they, you know, they might consider not having coaches or having yeah. coaches coach with their masks on, immediately got pushback from the coaches association uh, and, and, you know, I part of me can't blame them, but also part of me can't blame the NBA by trying to to keep safe some of their most forward-facing employees. Yeah, I reading some of the details, I am concerned, maybe more so than I was a few weeks ago, about the idea of just players getting it. And of course, Adam Silver has sort of laid the groundwork and said, "Look, there's a good chance that somebody will get this over the course of this thing. That some player or staff member or whatever." Right. We know that they're going to be testing players every single day, but we also know there's a period of time when a person contracts it and to when they would test positive. So there's going to be some lag time there where the tests will say negative, but a person's actually caring. So there are some real risks here. And, um, you know, if, if I'm being honest, Anthony, as much as I'm excited for this and we have a date and we have all this stuff in place, this could go sideways and we could end up having just too many players get it or, you know, some major players or coaches or whatever. And the entire tournament sort of becomes nullified, either actually canceled or continues, but everybody kind of knows like, Oh, LeBron's out or Giannis is, you know, something of that nature. And I, I, I would say I'm a little less optimistic than I was maybe a week ago, having seen all of the details of it, but nonetheless, you know, I don't know what else the NBA could have done. They were going to try to get this thing done. And that was the risk they had to, they're, they're willing to take. I mean, the thing that they're up against is they they have a player they they have a players union that they had to negotiate a lot of these these protocols with, and it's a continued negotiation. By the way, they passed all of this. They voted to continue right. the season yeah. without the protocols actually passed. They're still negotiating on that, and and over the next I would imagine week or two, they're going to have that ironed out, and we'll see what that actually looks like if and when it it actually happens. Um, the other thing that a lot of people found. Very interesting is what this this is going to mean for the season to come. So uh, we're going to take a quick second here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a turnaround that <laughs> it's crazy. Teams of the crazy, finals. the craziest part insane. of this, really. Yeah. I think I have to start again with my own biases and, and getting that out there, but. 
having uh, an off season of basically less than a month means that, you know, after the, the, the semi-tough year we've all had uh, covering sports, we'll have less downtime and, and we'll be able to get right back to work at, at, at season's end. But, you know, for players whose bodies are literally the way that they make their income and, and for players who have a finite amount of time making the amount of income they, they, they make in the NBA, I can completely understand why they're looking at this and saying, wait, if we play in the finals, we have training camp less than a month after that. Uh, that's pretty insane. It, I'll tell you, it's made me a lot less optimistic about the Nuggets repeating as champions this this year and next. I, I, I was I was very confident, but no, 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 no. I, I actually I'm disagree. only partially confident now. I, I disagree. I disagree. There's less chance that Nikola Jokic gets out of shape. Like he's going to start yeah. next year in the hey, best. Hey, have you shape heard? So Tim Conley today was on the radio here in Denver. He said that um, Jokic, his body is beach ready. I, I'm going to quote here: beach ready. Well, technically, so is mine because I don't care anymore. <laughs> well, uh, I, I hear there's some abs there. So, you know, Jokic, you know, who knows? He might be the most in shape player. <laughs> I just picture like Mike yeah. Malone's like, is that, is that, is that Nicola? Is that a, is that an ab? <laughs> Do I see an ab on the yoke? Hey, Dude, man. Dude, you're yoked. <laughs> it's happening. Just you, you, you be ready for it. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> Less than a month later? Well, so first of all, let me say, this deal has not been approved by the Players Association, yeah. um, and I don't think it will be. I think I that think the, the the conclusion of this one has been agreed upon, the 2020 season. But the 2021 starting on December 1st, which even when the report came out, it was, um, you know, is fluid. They said the, the dates are fluid. They're still working yeah. on them. Um, I would say that those dates are certain to move back. Um mm-hmm. But nonetheless, what it does tell me, Anthony, is that the NBA doesn't want to. We'd heard proposals about, well, they're going to push it to February, the next season and start of January at the earliest. It does sound like the NBA is going to at least make a a push to say, hey, we're going to have to do this quicker. Now, maybe maybe we set it at four weeks because I think it was October 12th was game seven of the finals and November 10th was the first day of training camp. So that's Mm -hmm. exactly four weeks. Maybe the NBA says four weeks so that when they ultimately settle on eight weeks and start the season on Christmas, it doesn't feel so crazy. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. that's one theory I'm kicking around. But. Nonetheless, it does seem like the NBA is not wanting to push it back too far. This will be a shortened offseason. I, uh, you know, the, the the obvious solution here is just that the NBA is planning on for, you know, the Lakers to sweep whoever they play, they play in the final. <laughs> so you don't run into this. Uh, the other thing, too. So I think some of this is negotiating before you actually sit down at the negotiation table. So. If you start by saying, yeah, we're going to start right back up opening night is December 1st, and then you push, it gets pushed back to Christmas when they might actually want it or like the week before Christmas when they actually want it, uh, then you can have the players feel like they actually won that negotiation when you're technically yeah. at the spot that you, that you want to be at, at, at on that launch date. Uh, the other thing, too, is if they start, let's say the, the NBPA actually agrees to starting again, opening night is... December 1st, well, that means you have opening night and Christmas. Those are two big ticket events in the matter of a month so that you keep the interest in the league uh, rolling. And yeah. and then, and, you know, finally, you have, uh, if they do start on December 1st, maybe you finish that year uh, mid to latest July. And by the time you're done there, you have the chance, if the ratings aren't what you hope they are by owning the summer, 
you can still kind of get moved to being more back on track with your, your traditional NBA season. So I think all of those things seem like boxes worth checking to me. Well, you also have to realize that if even if you start it in December, of course, we never saw about when the season would end, right? Because if you started yeah. at December, does that mean it goes back to just regular where the finals are in June? Or do you extend that to July, you know, an extra month mm-hmm. or whatever? Who knows? We're going to find that out. Is it a full 82-game season? Again, we, that's something we don't know. But here's where the NBA has is in a, a lose-lose situation. The Golden State Warriors played their last game, I believe, on March 10th. So if we push the season all the way back to the end of December, they're going to have almost a full year off season. The Lakers or you know Clippers or whoever it is that goes to the finals, they might end up having a four-week off season. And the on the other side, there's teams like Atlanta that might have a 10-month off season. The, the, yeah. That's why the ripple effects of all of this are so bizarre and so so intricate that it's not going to just affect the season. It's going to affect next season quite a bit as well. Well, I believe one of the conversations that was held among owners was the idea of a fall league uh, <laughs> yeah. to to make sure that that competition level is satisfied and and also to generate some revenue for those teams that aren't going to Orlando. I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think that will happen. But we'll see. I don't think that will ever happen. I don't know. I mean, it could might they, be like they a, could. Yeah, like could they make it a summer league? Could they? Could they Steph essentially Curry make them come into play? I mean, maybe maybe they sell it for charity, right? And they get everybody, you know, <laughs> hopping on the charity board. But no, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. The, the stars probably aren't going to play there. And the amount of revenue that you're going to generate from a fall league that doesn't really mean anything and will likely never happen ever again. Yeah, I, 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 but, you know, look, if, if this, because I doubt they're going to have a summer league this year. Uh, this or, or you know any kind of equivalent of a summer league because That's too things bad, are going to be moving so quick. So you know, could that replace? You know, could this fall league kind of replace that and and allow for young players to continue to to get their juices flowing in a in a situation where it isn't just you know ten months of pickup basketball. Right. Uh, I, I don't I don't know how they would handle that. If, but, if, but if yeah. I'm hearing if I'm hearing you right, Anthony, you you the NBA desperately wants to see Bull Bull play. And I'm I understand it. I want to see him play too. I, I want to be bull bowled over. You know, I want I want to <laughs> see <laughs> send us off to our weekend, man. Come okay. on. <laughs> uh I don't know. I don't we don't know what this is gonna look like. We didn't really hear anything or that I saw of of seating or anything like that. We're gonna we're still gonna get those What do you mean seating? Well, like if if they're gonna do complete reseeding or if they're gonna do traditional yeah, we seating. Have. Oh, we did? Yeah. It's, first of all, it's east west. <laughs> this is why I'm oh. here, Anthony, to bring the facts. Thank you. It's still gonna be east west. And those oh. eight games that you play the seeding round or whatever we're calling it, the end of the yeah. quote unquote regular season, those will matter. Those will determine the seeding. So for example, the Denver yeah. Nuggets right now are in the third seed, and they are two games behind the Clippers and two games ahead of uh, three or four different teams in the Western Conference. Those eight games they play, there's going to be some shuffling there. Utah, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Clippers, those teams are all bunched up so close that almost inevitably there's going to be some risers and fallers. Maybe maybe I just ignored the, the seeding thing and, and that they're keeping it east and west just because like deep down, I or not even deep down, I just really want them to go with complete reseeding but here we are it would have been a lot more fun you know who you know who nixed it i don't know how you missed this story you know who nixed that michael jordan michael jordan stepped up and said keep tradition alive don't get after he said after he said i don't want to watch my team play anymore (laughs) well (laughs) fair fair is fair (laughs) mr competition doesn't want his team out there anymore 
All right, that's going to do it for this episode and this week's episode of the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, we are going to keep you guys filled in on, on not just this feed, but on all of the feeds moving forward as we get more details of what the NBA resuming might look like. And, and you know, I would imagine the, the continued conversation as more people get involved. We saw LeBron James dunk on Drew Brees. If we get any more stuff like that, I'm sure that'll be a conversation piece. Uh, across the network but for now please have a, a safe and 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 nice weekend so that when adam and i talk to you again on friday we're all in an, in a pretty good spot